So thank you for joining me on the Magenta Maven. I'm here with the rock star goddess, Sonia De La Cruz. How are you doing? Doing great here in the Las Vegas sun. Oh yeah, it looks very nice there. So we're going Absolutely to go beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to start off with some early questions. Where did you grow up? Um, well, I was born in Detroit, Michigan. I lived there for about three weeks. My uh, my mother and father got divorced, and my mom actually came to Florida. And I've lived in the state of Florida my entire life, all the way from south to north. So I've been a little bit of everywhere. So growing up in Florida, living in Vegas is a bit different, but here, here we are. <laughs> What were you uh, like as a kid? Oh my God, I was a hellion. Like to hear my mother tell it, she would tell you I was a troublemaker. But um, I was very genuine. I had, I, I even as a child, I had a big heart, and um, uh, I loved, I loved gymnastics. I love anything athletic. I used to like to run track. So as a kid, I was just very ambitious, and I liked to do so many things. And I always wanted to try everything that everybody else did until I found my niche. So as a child, I was very determined, ambitious outgoing, fun, kind. Did you have any brothers or sisters? I do have a half sister, a half brother and another half brother, but I only grew up with one. I grew up with my half brother and um, he and I lived together. He's eight years older than I am. So growing up was a little challenging because he was so much older and I always like wanted to be a part of it, but really couldn't. So I was kind of an only child at that point, I guess. (laughs) Oh yeah, I understand. I'm like the oldest in my I have a younger brother and a younger sister, but my brother's like 15 years younger than me. So, you know, it was hard for him and my sister more to relate than uh, he and I. But then once he got older and I got older, it kind of got a lot. uh, We got a lot closer. So I understand how that is on there. Yeah, Um, he and I are closer now. Well, we we go through phases to where we're we speak and we don't speak. But um, I don't know. It's just the older we became, the more friendly we became. So I don't know. As children, though, we I'm a child, you know, he's eight years older than me. He was a grown man when I was just a child. So oh, so what did you want to be as a child? Ironically, ironically, I wanted to be either a Broadway star or a flight attendant. And I've got to become a local celebrity of a sort. And I also am now a flight attendant. So I've achieved both of those that I feel I wanted to do as a child. I know you said you moved with your mom. Was she strict with you when you were younger? Not really. I mean, she gave us a lot of leniency, but she was also, she was strict to a degree. Like, you know, we had to follow rules and obey things, but she also gave us enough space to be able to, to develop in our own and, and to take the knowledge that she gave us and, and go with it. I mean, it, that's all you can do is give your kids the knowledge you want them to know and see how it turns out for them. So she wasn't super strict. She was strict enough. I'll say that. When did you actually come out? I would say first grade. I kind of knew something was weird and different. Like I would always like a prime example is we had a a play and um, they were casting, you know, the different parts. And I got cast as a rat or a mouse or I don't even remember what it was of some sort. And I remember the teacher stating the boy rats need to wear sweatpants, sweatshirts, tails and ears. And the girls need to wear tights, leotards, tails, and ears. So I went home and told my mom I needed tights, leotards, tails, and ears. And my aunt, well, she's a family friend, basically an aunt. She made it for us. And I wore it to the event, this little thing that we were having. And they were started making fun of me and laughing and like pointing me out for wearing it. And um, at that point, I kind of realized, why are they laughing at me? And then it kind of made sense. Like, not the fact that I didn't know my gender. It's just I gravitated toward something different, even as even as that 
even as a first grader, like it was there. So, so it's, I wouldn't say I knew at that point, but that's where it started. Knowing, I would say like anywhere from 14 to 16, you really kind of figure yourself out. Right. So. The kids nowadays, they're, they're, it's a, I guess with everybody being a lot more liberal and everything coming out, they're actually coming out a lot younger. So it is, um, I know some like five-year-olds that are actually, you know, they are as well now. So, so when it, did it's you a blessing and it's a blessing. Like, you know, I wish at that point when I was in first grade, you know, something could have been discussed then. And I, you know, could have started a journey a little bit sooner, but you know, no regrets. My life is not been the greatest, but it certainly hasn't been the worst. So, so did you come out as trans before or after you started drag? Well, publicly, I would say it was after being a part of the, the show network, but definitely knew it beforehand. Like even as like middle school, high school, it was always, I was always like a girl, like it never was a question, but not knowing, you know, back in the mid nineties, what to do or how to do it. It was, it was always a challenge. So was school really hard? Um, that's kind of a, an odd question because it was in the beginning when I went to, I went to a regular school for middle school in my first year of high school, and it was a little rocky, rocky and a little rough. But I tend to, I gravitated toward more of the popular children, <laughs> so it I, it was kind of my in, I guess. And being a socialite, you know, and being such an extrovert, you know, it was a, that worked in my advantage to, you know, befriend people and, and get out of that situation. But I mean, they were still hurtful at times, but then I, I left and went to a school of the arts where it was much more accepting. There was people that were relatable and, and people that were like me. And that's when I met Rhiannon, uh, Rhiannon Owens. I'm sure you know who she is. Oh, and, yeah. and her and I became very good friends, you know, very different walks of life. You know, I was still trying to hide who I was, but be openly and a like a I guess gay person and and she was more openly trans than even in high school so I gravitated toward her and it was like that really made my my high school years a lot better by meeting people that I could relate to so definitely so how did you get started doing drag well I was a dancer all around just a theater person in general and um I remember always just wanting to be in the arts and in theater and Broadway as I stated and the first time I ever saw a drag show, I was just like, oh, my God, like captivated. And I'd say it was like two or three weeks after the first time I saw it, I came back and entered a talent show with Chastity Starkey, actually. Her and I drove to Melody Club in Gainesville, and we entered a talent show together. And um, she had helped me and, and put me together. And next, and the rest is history. <laughs> like. <laughs> Then, Do you remember you know, what your first song was that she performed? Oh my God. My first song I ever performed to was actually a fundraising event and a local performer from Jacksonville had passed away. Lauren Lamour, I believe her name was. And, um, I did, uh, Celine Dion cause I'm your lady. <laughs> Power, oh, love. Power of love was my first ever performance. And it was in a hideous, hideous dress, but, I, I, that was my first song. Yeah. Power of Love. Followed by, cause we did two numbers for this event. And my second one was Lick It by Gillette and 20 Fingers. <laughs> so <laughs> you do the math. Not much has changed since that time frame. You know, I'm still the unpredictable. Oh, well, is she going to do a ballad? She's a rock star. She's going to hang from the ceiling. What the hell is she going to do? So, <laughs> so where do you get uh, your name from? Sonia Dela Cruz. Well, Dela 
Cruz is actually my family name. And uh, Dela was a name that was dropped, I guess, from my family's name. I guess when they migrated, it, it was dropped. But Sonia actually comes from one of my cousins. I have two cousins, and one is actually named Sonia. And um, like I call her Sanja, and she calls me Sonia. So I've always been infatuated with that name. And then I had another cousin who was a stripper, <laughs> and she used the name Sonia. And, and then Sonia Blade for Mortal Kombat. It was just a combination of a lot of things, but it just kind of resonated. And it was like, oh, that worked. And then ironically, Sindel and I were really good friends back in the day. So it was Sonia and Sindel. So people used to, you know, Mortal Kombat. Doo, 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 doo. It was crazy. Oh, I was like, she's like one of my favorite characters to play with when I played Mortal Kombat. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, is I never played Mortal Kombat. I was a little familiar with it, but. Oh, my gosh. It's like the best games ever. But yeah, Sonia Sundell, it kind of worked. But yeah, the name just kind of came like naturally. It just kind of, it just happened. I don't know. Do you particularly belong into any house? Uh, well, House of Taylor. Like, you know, um, I was, when James Brown, he's a, a legend in Jacksonville and he was a huge drag supporter and he used to be the owner of the Metro and um, he was good friends with Bob Taylor and, and we were kind of James's children. You know, there's quite a few of us that were under him. And when he passed away, Bob Taylor kind of like took us on because, you know, they were good friends and we made a lot of good connections because of James and Bob Taylor was one of those people. So I, I, I'm a part of that. And um, I'm also a part of the House of Todd. I'm sure everybody knows who that is in Jacksonville. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah, so those are the, the two that I'm directly a part of. Do you have any, um, like, drag sons or daughters? I do, actually. <laughs> I have a few. Uh, my, my first is uh, Chi-Chi Carrington, and she currently lives in Ohio. A fabulous makeup artist, great person, lived in Jacksonville, little gymnastics diva. Um, the second one I had was Dixie, Dixie De La Cruz. She's one of the only ones that bear my last name. Oh, and, uh, yeah, that's that's we call her Dixie Della Boobs. Yeah. <laughs> of yeah, and I used to be Della Booze when I was a drinker, but I haven't drank in a very long time. Well, socially, I drink still, but um, yeah. And then uh, Brittany, I have a Brittany Della Cruz, and then I have a lot of like children that I kind of took on that are kind of like my kids, but they're more. I'm more of a mentor to them, and it's not like a. I'm very maternal to them. I'm very maternal to everybody, actually. But it's just those are the three core ones that I that I had. But my son, it doesn't do shows or anything. It's actually my trans son, and that's Maddox Zoe. And um, oh. that's my heart. I love him. <laughs> I know that uh, you do silks uh, and during some of your shows. So what got you started doing that? Um, well, I was always into the circus when I was younger. I liked, like I said, performance. It always It all runs hand in hand. And circus was a part of my life for a minute, you know, because it, it changed. Anything performance aspect, I loved. I loved ballet. I loved the theater. I loved the circus. You know, I love TV. I've done commercials. I've done fashion shows. Like, you know, I always wanted my hand to be dabbed into anything in the entertainment industry. And when it came to the circus arts, I just loved it. I actually liked stilts before I liked the silks. So I used to like to, you know, want to learn how to walk on stilts. And I never did it. I never learned. And I never learned silks either. And I never really learned anything circus related except for tumbling and gymnastics and that sort of stuff. But, um, of course, later on in life, pink, you know, I started impersonating her in the early two thousands and, and she became this big Cirque star. So I was like, you know, there's no time like the present. So I actually 
searched and found, you know, a place to learn a few basic skills. And, and then I ended up liking it and I stuck with it for a little longer. And I had a private instructor who, who taught me a lot of stuff and then found out he was a stilt walker. And he told me, he made a bet with me that he could teach me to walk stilts in one day. Uh, of course, I didn't believe him. And within one day, I was up on them and I had was walking, not very much, but I was doing it. But by the end of a two-week period, I was able to do quite a bit of stuff on stilts. And so... That's, that would be where that came from. So what drew you to doing pink? <laughs> so, funny story. Um, my friend Todd Fletcher, he used to work uh, with the Florida Times Union back in the day, and he used to write music reviews for different albums and different concerts and, and things of that nature. And he was very, he worked at Sam Goody in the Avenues Mall. He was completely into music, and that was his life. And um, one day he calls me, and he's like, out of the blue it's like midnight one o'clock in the morning i don't remember he's like you gotta go to walmart you gotta go to walmart and i'm like for what he's like there's this new bitch out called pink i think and there's a song called there you go you look just like her on the cover of this single and i'm like okay so of course you know i finally go to walmart eventually i think it was the next day and i see the single and it's her you know with just it, the single was uh, it because the album cover is different, but the single cover was kind of like a green scale kind of picture, and it was just her in this black jacket that zipped up the neck, and she just making this face, and I was just like, holy shit, like I do resemble this this lady. So I bought this single, hated it, hated it, hated it, hated it. I thought it was the stupidest song ever, and but I learned it, and I did the illusion and everything else, and it went over huge hugely went over and the rest is history and as much as i you know didn't like her in the beginning i've become a huge fan i respect her i love what she writes i love what she stands for so i grew with her very very well yes thank you but it's crazy like our careers span together like it wasn't until she came out and i started doing her that it kind of molded my career too like it helped me find who i was not only was i a pink lookalike but it also let me be okay to do the things that I was a comfortable that, you know, I enjoyed. I was always the gothic girl, the punk girl. And in my early career, that's who I was, you know? And, um, it made it okay for me to be able to do that stuff because she was such an advocate for, for herself. So I had to be an advocate for myself and I really put myself out there. So I owe a lot to her actually. (laughs) (laughs) I know, um, you did the silks and you did the stilts and this might be a sensitive question, but I know you had, fell um at one time so when when you fell was it hard for you to decide to get back up and do that again absolutely not absolutely not like those are just those are just bruises from the job like that's like telling a motocross rider if he falls off his bike and breaks his arm is he going to get back on it of course he is i mean that's your that's what you love doing that's what you like to do and i didn't learn that just to set it down because of one accident like, and it wasn't even an accident on my behalf. And, you know, whenever you learn how to walk a stilt, you have to learn how to fall on a stilt. And even though you know that stuff, there's sometimes where, you know, circumstantially, it's not going to work in your favor. And in that instance, I did injure myself and, and um, I wasn't able to do stilt walking for a very long time. And here I am about a year later. And, you know, I, I'm, I have enough strength in me to, to be able to do it and, and continue to do what I, what I wanted to do. So it, it was just a setback. It wasn't a, it wasn't a career-ending move by any means. 
No, because even with <laughs> even with you being injured, you kept on doing it and was still the best that you could be. Because I'm telling you, yeah, yes, <laughs> good stuff going. Definitely, and I remember performing too with like uh, crutches and oh uh, yeah, my braces. Like I remember all of that because I mean, that's I mean that's all it is. Is it's 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 not a I don't know. You just can't just because you have one setback doesn't mean you have to stop doing everything. Because if that was the case, then nobody would be anywhere. Like it's life. So I know um, you said when you were younger that you wanted to be a flight attendant. Um, I did. <laughs> so how I mean, like how is that going? Uh, not during the COVID thing, but uh, did you just decide today I'm going to apply and then this is what I'm going to do? Um, well, I, I was moving in silent. Like it was something I always, of course, wanted to do. And and when I was about to do it is after right around 9-11, right before it happened, I had applied for a few positions. And and um, after that, I just I didn't want to I wasn't comfortable flying for a while. And. I remember my first flight after 9-11, I did Miss Gay USA, and it was very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable for me. We had to make an emergency landing in Atlanta, like super uncomfortable. So it just kind of set this uneasy vibe in my in my system. And then I didn't fly again for a few years. And again, it was for another pageant. And um, even that flight was made me a little uncomfortable, but but it kind of set me back in emotion of, oh my God, I, I totally... I like I revisited it and it started resonating in my mind for years and then you know I, I, of course drag was so much fun and I enjoyed that job so much and so you just kind of set everything else aside like I didn't even think about it and then one day I decided you know what I was working at Bank of America and I just started applying for different airlines and I had an interview with three and I turned I didn't get one I turned one down and I got the other one I'm I'm super happy with the airline and during the COVID, I mean, of course it's it's horrible, but the job itself, it's the best job I've ever had. It's the job I've always thought I would enjoy, and I do. I thoroughly enjoy it. And I always tell people one of the hardest things about being a flight attendant is getting the job, going through training, having six months of probation where you're being looked at so hard to make sure you can do your job. And you know, those are the hard parts. Training is really, 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 really dreadful because there's so much information that you have to learn in such a small, short amount of time. And it's, it becomes mind boggling. There's test after test after test. I didn't think I was gonna make it through training. So getting through that and getting through the six months of probation, like I earned that job and I belong there and I love it. And it's just right now it just sucks so much because it's been taken away from us. And, but you know, we'll, re- we'll, we'll recover. We'll be back. What um, has the be- What's the best place that uh, you've flown to that you've traveled? Well, being a- <laughs> We do Central and South America. Those are the only con- countries that we travel to. And uh, we don't have layovers in most of those. So most of the destinations that I enjoy the most are domestic. And there are places that most people have been to, I'm sure, before. But when you when you take it in from a different perspective, and there's people that I've flown with that have been doing this for years that know so much to do in all these little towns. But one of my most favorite layovers has been uh, Portland, uh, San Diego, San Francisco, and Seattle, all on the West Coast. But those have been my favorite so uh, now that you live in Vegas, are you performing anywhere there? Um, I actually, it hasn't been like like top priority to perform here yet. Um, I've made a few connections. I've actually reached out to the Hamburger Marys here because they do an illusion show. And the pink, inter- the pink impersonator that they had just recently relocated to California. So that was that literally happened a week before the COVID really took off in, in, in the United States. And 
I was in contact with the management. I was in contact with the show director. I, like it was literally right there. Like it was a booking was going to happen. They want to rake my silks. They want to do this. Like everything was there. And then it just kind of got put on hold. Um, I did perform at Las Vegas Lounge, which will not be joining us again after the COVID. They, um, they weren't able to reopen. They kind of, it's sad. They were the first people to give me a, an opportunity and a, and a job and a, and a, and an outlet to perform in, and now they're not going to recover from it. And it's super sad, but there's some other opportunities I have here too. But like I said, I'm not pressed for it, but you know, being comfortable and familiar with Mary's, that was like my first stop that I did. So that was my, one of my missions upon being out here when I was ready to perform. I know you said you had done uh, some pageants uh, previously. What uh, pageants have you done and uh, what titles had you held? Um, I've done a lot of local pageants. Um, so I'm a former Miss Jacksonville, former Miss Metro, former Miss Jacks Beach, former Bozcoe Reef. Those are the, the little local things I've done. And then on the national scale, I've done Miss Gay USA one time, and that was in 2002. Um, the winner was Alexis Gabrielle Sherrington. I finished 15th out of 54 girls with a solo talent, which is almost unheard of. <laughs> and I won, and I won most beautiful that year, which was, it was nice to hear, you know? And, um, I've also been top five at all American goddess. And I've also been top 12 at uh, continental. And I was also fourth runner up at Miss Florida FI. So what do you spend most of your money on as far as drag? Oh Lord. As far as drag, what do I spend my most money on? Jesus. Junk. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am the world's worst at just purchasing random, random things and having no use for them. But in my mind, I'm going to use it for something. So literally, it just collects dust in my house. <laughs> and, I, I, and I like to spend money on... Um, on like random things like I don't like it's so random I'm, I'm random I'm a very random person but like for that's and that's another thing that's like one of the biggest problems for me is spending money on drag is hard because if you don't make that much it's hard to spend that oh, much yeah. so, True. I, so I, was, I spend a lot of it on on randomness that's that's where I spend most of my money so what place would you like to visit uh, I know on flying you said you only go domestic or international so if you had your choice to go somewhere to visit, where would you want to go? Well, the glorious thing about being a flight attendant are the benefits. And one of our fringe benefits that we get is we can fly a lot of airlines for very little to no money. And um, so my ultimate trip that I want to take is going to be to, to Fiji, which I'm planning that around February of next year, around my birthday. And then I also am planning an Australian trip as well. That's another one that I want to do. And then a third, I'll give you three. My third one is I want to do an Ireland trip with my sister because my half sister is, um, our dad is Irish. So we're going to go to Ireland and check that out. What is an interesting thing about you that we wouldn't learn from your friends? Something interesting about me. Wow. That's a tough one. Let's see. If I told you it wouldn't be interesting anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, well, something really interesting about me, it's actually about my family. Um, I always knew who my father was. I always used to carry this random picture of this, this girl that I used to tell people was my sister. And I was told, oh, you don't have a sister. You're a liar. Blah, 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 blah. But, um, 
I don't know, for some reason, I always thought I had this sister. And the picture was of a, a woman that was a little more exotic than just an Irish woman, I guess. <laughs> but um, at the age of 20, I got a random letter at my grandmother's house. And it was from somebody stating that they were my sister and um, that they had found our father. Because I, I, even though I knew who my dad was, my dad and I never communicated and I had never met him. And um, at 20 years old, this girl finds me and we, we, I call her and we talk for several hours. And it was an instant connection. And, and she said uh, she basically begged me to come to Southern Illinois to meet her. And I did, of course. And um, we then drove from there to Michigan to both meet our father for the first time because she had never met him either. She was actually born in the Philippines. And my dad was stationed there in the Navy in the 70s. And whenever he was leaving, her mother tried to tell him that she was pregnant. And he didn't listen, of course, and left. And she was on a mission from the time she moved to the United States when she was six years old to know who her father was. And at 14, she started searching for him and found me first. And um, then we both got to meet him for the first time in our lives. So I gained, I always knew I had a little brother from my father, but I knew nothing about her. So I gained a sister, a brother and a dad. So it was kind of interesting. What was his reaction when you first contacted him? <laughs> um, we didn't like, she's the one that told him, Hey, I found my brother at the time, I mean, it is what it is, but um, I found my brother, we're coming to visit, and this is it, blah, 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 because they had already planned it, and then she said I was coming too, and we all just drove to Michigan, met him. Actually, that's why we drove to Indianapolis, because he lived in Indiana at the time. Mm -hmm. So we went to Indy, and then from Indy, we went to Michigan and went to like the family place where they used to go when they were kids, called Boyne Mountain or some shit, I don't know. It was I'm not into all that kind of stuff, but, <laughs> but it was an interesting, it was interesting. I mean, my dad and I still don't really have that much of a, of a relationship, but during, you know, but we're, I can message him or, or call him and, you know, say, Hey, or whatever, but that's about the extent of it. I mean, I didn't gain anything out of it with him, but I did gain an, a, a beautiful relationship with my sister out of it. So well, that is always really good because sisters can be um, someone that you can lean on. Yeah. And her and I became very close. So so what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Well, this goes both ways. Like the best thing I was ever told was the minute you think you know everything, basically it's time for you to die because you never stop learning. Life is totally a learning experience. And the minute you think you know everything and you don't have anything else to learn, you're useless. So that's the best advice I was ever given. It's a little harsh, but it's a reality. That, that is very true. Be, so be you, open, be, you know, use your receptacles. You like take all the information in and just, just go with it. So if you were reading the story of your life and you got to the present day, would you keep reading knowing that you can't change anything? No, I'm a firm believer in living in the now. Tomorrow's a gift. It may not be there. And I wouldn't want to know that prior because I'm going to live each day. The last question that I have for you, I'm sure during your life, you've experienced some highs and lows. What lessons or lesson do you wish that you would have known earlier in your life? Hmm. Is don't give up. 
I used to be very notorious for that. And I would give up if things didn't go the way they were supposed to go immediately. I would lose interest. I would stop doing something. I'd put it away and not revisit it for a while. And then by the time I revisited it, it was not that it was too late. It's just, it wasn't as exciting anymore. So that would be the, definitely the thing I would have told myself, like, just don't give up. Just keep going, keep pushing. I would like to thank my guests for joining me and letting me interview them. If you have any questions for future entertainers, please leave me a message at anchor.fm forward slash the magenta maven, M-A-V-A-N. Also, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the magenta maven. And thank you for listening. Until next time.